Blog Talk Radio. Going back to June the 1st, there was only 38 players 
that are currently in the NFL when it's over 1,700. Well, let's make it a little over 1,800 because each player normally have, they pretty much have about 90 uh, players on their squads right now um, on an average because right now training camp about to start soon before they make their cuts. But you're looking at at least 1,800 players and only 38 of those players are from HBCU um, platforms. And when you hear that number, the first thing you think about is that the NFL is doing a horrible job in trying to get those players in the league. And it's really not. It's really not. You know, there's some there's some blame you can point, you know, especially with, you know, very little, you know, as far as with, you know, the will and the want, you know, um, because of it. But the league is in a position for that because of what the HBCU institutions are not doing. And we broke that down last week, so make sure you guys go and check check that out. Um, also, the article is posted on locker-port.com, you know, about the issues that the HBCU institutions, the things they are not doing to put their players in position to be able, and this is across all sports, HBU, HBCU, so they're not putting their student athletes in position to become professionals in the area of sports. And I understand the focus for the institutions is to show how um, they can prove to white America that, you know, we as African-Americans can be elite in business, can be elite in medicine, can be elite in engineering, can be um, elite in any other field outside the, 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 the turf or the hardwood. And I, get, and, I, and I understand that. But if they want to be competitive, instead of crying the victim or trying to point the blame, you know, trying to make it seem like that there's others, and you know, had the talent there, and nobody want to give us a chance. You know, that's uh, a bunch of crap, um, in my opinion. And they have to do their their job in investing into their players, so that these leagues can really see that y'all guys putting the effort into it. Y'all guys want to try to make things better. Okay, we want to start taking you guys serious. Right now, no one's taking them serious, and it's because of the institutions, not for the leagues, and in particular the NFL. But that's what we had talked about last week. Now, this week, we're going to jump into something much nicer. We're going to talk about my regional combine, guys. You know, that's what this whole show is strength on, on the regional combine. And when we last talked about the players, we talked about the great year these guys had had, and when we talked about the free agency. And the free agency period is still going on. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't stop. Players, teams can sign any players during the course of this year until the end of the playing season. Um, well, well, my fault to the beginning of the postseason. So players so teams still can bring players in. And at first we were sitting on fifteen regional combine players that need to get re signed. Now we just get, get make that total up to sixteen. Because finally we got a man, Nick Mullins, who finally signed with a squad. Now Nick Mullins was the backup for Jimmy Garoppolo with San Francisco forty nines for the past three seasons. And coming from the platform, coming through the NFL Regional Combine platform uh, in 2017, coming from uh, uh, Southern Mississippi, really showed out in his workouts in New Orleans. I was there. You know, definitely this young man is 100% dedicated to the game. He wants to win. And when he finally got his shot, going to the San Francisco 49ers, knowing that Jimmy Garoppolo was coming there, knowing that his chances of him still sitting in the background, was, was still going to be imminent, and we knew that was going to happen. But he did have to fight for it to be the number two going up against C.J. Beathard and pretty much show that he's a better quarterback than um, uh, C.J. Beathard. And that's why he was pretty much – that's why he was a backup to Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, he didn't start off like that. You know, C.J. Beathard, his father, who a longtime NFL guy, coach, analyst, everything, you know, C.J. pretty much based off his father's name, to be honest with you, and plus he was drafting the sixth round. You know, he got that niche, you know, the, you know that, you know, I would say got that situation where he got that niche to, to actually calipoke himself over Nick Mellons in the very beginning because C.J. was the backup quarterback going into 2018. You know, so he was the backup, but Nick Mellons outplayed him and Nick Mullins became the main backup guy. Now, Nick Mullins, you know, with his time there with the San Francisco 49ers, he definitely had, I would say, you know, um, a rocky role. Um, I would say in situations where he was on the field, he really showed that he can be that guy. Or better yet, the best thing is he showed that he can play in the NFL, most importantly. He is truly an NFL quarterback, and he showed that. He's actually made history as the first quarterback from – the NFL regional combine 
that actually started the NFL game. He had a lot of firsts because when we look at the quarterback position and when we talk about quarterbacks that go through the NFL regional combine, that's the toughest position to truly evaluate because they are throwing to players who they just met that day. So there's no continuity between the pass catchers that are there. And so a lot of times you may, you may have had decent quarterbacks that came through the platform, but with them throwing the ball to players who they never threw the ball to, don't really have no rhythm, a lot of times these receivers did, you know, the, receive, the pass catchers made them look bad. Now, there was some quarter, now, majority of the quarterbacks that was there, you know, they was really, you know, not definitely not NFL worthy, even with not having, you know, um, a, a chemistry with their pass catchers. But every once in a while, you'll come across some that was there that, you know, may have something, but those pass catchers were just dropping the ball. But one of the things that Nick Mullins had did in the very beginning, along with a guy named Will Alton, who's up in the Canadian League now, soon I would say we'll be making that break to the NFL. These quarterbacks force these pass catchers. Willie Magoo, another uh, backup quarterback now with the Houston Texans, these quarterbacks is good enough that they force those players to adjust to their skill set instead of the, the quarterbacks trying to adjust to the pass catcher um, skill set, which may cause a lot of quarterbacks not to make it to the next step. But Nick Mullins was one of the first guys. He was the first guys that dictated how they were going to play, you know, how they were going to catch that ball that day. And he had a great workout, got to the NFL, did very well, doing doing very well with the San Francisco 49ers. Now, last year with the, with the 49ers, you know, he did – finished with 65% of his passes out of 326 attempts. He completed 211 of those passes, racked up um, 2,437 yards, but he threw 12 touchdowns and also 12 interceptions. Now, we followed the 49ers for the past couple of years. We recognize that they've been banged up, and Jimmy never – I mean, Nick never had a full cast of talented players around him on the offense side of the ball. And so that was also another thing. Now, also on the defense side of the ball, they had a lot of injuries over there too. So he played with, a, you know, with some ones, but mainly with a lot of twos, especially, and also on that offensive line, not having a lot of time and not making excuses, but this was the reality. So there were things that he was up against that he could not get away from. So with that being said, we knew coming into this season that he probably had to find you know, another spot elsewhere, the 49ers didn't want to bring him back on, but the Philadelphia Eagles did. So the Philadelphia Eagles had brought in this um, this veteran quarterback, which is a great thing. Um, you listen to Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network where you hear about NFL stars of tomorrow today. I'm your host, Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of Locker-Report.com. Now, Nick Mullins signed with the Philadelphia Eagles on a one-year deal. Now, this is going to be very interesting. The Philadelphia Eagles had already signed uh, Super, um, Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco uh, to a one-year deal to back up Jalen Hurts. Now, Nick comes there on a one-year deal. Terms of, this, of his contract was not disclosed. So he signed the one-year deal with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, what that says is that the open competition that their head coach, I'm not even going to try to mention his last name. I'll mess it up. But their head coach wanted want to make it clear that they're going to have in competition. Now, we know that Jalen Hurts is locked in as a starting quarterback. You know, with them trading away Carson Wentz, uh, Carson Wentz, that show right there that they are totally in on Jalen Hurts, at least for right now. But, however, to make sure that he's in the right position, learning from the right guys, you want to make sure they have a veteran quarterback behind them. So that's why they brought in Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, my my days of covering the the uh, Baltimore Ravens, a great guy, great teacher. I know he has no problem with sharing with Jalen and giving him that extra eye. So Joe Flacco definitely come how to be guarded as a solid backup. Now Nick Mullins come along. Now this is going to be an open competition to see if Joe Flacco is going to be locked in for the backup position for Jalen Hurts. So it's going to be really interesting to seeing how Nick is going to push Joe and how he's going to push Jalen Hurts. Now Nick is a fireball. Nick is not coming to – the Philadelphia Eagles to be a backup, although he know he's going to be a backup, but he's coming into a situation where if Jalen Hurts don't work out or Joe Flacco don't work out, Nick may have a chance, assuming if he make this team. It's going to be very, very interesting for the quarterback position. 
for the Philadelphia Eagles moving forward. So this is one of those off-seasons to watch out for, especially if you're looking to see some kind of change or if you're looking to see what may happen with a quarterback situation. The Philadelphia Eagles situation is going to be very, very interesting to see. Like, again, again, we know that Jalen Hurts is locked in, but it's going to be really interesting seeing what Nick Mullins is going to do uh, to push Joe Flacco to see if he can hold on to the backup position. You listen to Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network, where you hear about NFL stars of tomorrow today. I'm your host, Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of Locker-Report.com. Now, today, guys, make sure you guys stay locked in on BachelorNewsRadioNetwork.com as we will feature album. Friday, yes. Uh, we're going to feature album Friday. We're going to feature uh, artists. So we're going to feature 30 minutes of a particular artist's songs. This week's feature is the artist that we know as Joe. Joe's going to be the featured artist for feature album Friday. So he's going to be our focus of our artist that's going to play. So we're going to make sure we listen to Joe today, later on today at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Bachelor News Radio dot airtime dot pro so make sure you guys tune in and also stay locked into this show i mean to this network at the locker dash report uh at the um at the locker talk is over because you want to make sure you stay with a dose of a dime show with yanni knox make sure you stay with this locked in following locker talk um on the best news radio network as we give as she give a dose of reality about love life and drama from DJ Don's perspective. So make sure you guys stay locked in on the best news radio network.com. Now, we talked about Nick Mullins, the 16th player from the 16th player who came through the NFL Reason Combine, who signed with, with the team, signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, still waiting for my man, Austin Ritter, to sign with someone. There's been, you know, there's not a lot of teams, surprisingly, surprisingly, knowing that he was on the Kansas City Chiefs for the last two seasons, a durable center. They know how to play the game. You know, it's really going to be interesting seeing where he's going to land. I'm surprised that he's still out there as a free agent, but someone is going to get him in there before training camp starts for the NFL. Now, when we move forward, now next week is going to be um, interesting. Um, next week will be the NFL uh, officiating clinic. So I know I'll be with those guys for the weekend getting all the information about officiating going forward into the 2021 season. So that's going to be very, I would say, nice, a very nice long weekend of meetings that I know I've had the privilege to sit in on. So I'm looking forward to that and then bring you guys information about officiating. But we will eventually talk about the top ten players. Now, the NFL has what they call the NFL Network, the top 100 players that's voted by their peers, which is a great show. I look forward to see what NFL players, who they look at, as being the top players in the league. So I'm always looking forward to seeing where they're going to have Tom Brady later that, I mean, um, finish at. He should finish at number one. I know he's not, but he should be finishing number one. I got to stop talking about Tom Brady because LA is going to pull the cord and I will never be able to come on the show again. But I just said my point. Everybody got my heart. But I love the way how the players really put out, you know, their um, points of who are the top 100 players. But here at LockerDashReport.com, we talk about the top 10. We don't have 100 players in there yet with the NFL Reason Combine, but we will recognize the top 10 players who came through the uh, platform that did very, very well in 2020 season. And, talked about, and I've talked about these guys all season long, so you guys probably have an idea of what, what players who I will mention in the top 10, but don't know the order, who's going to be the 10th player and who's going to be the number one dude from the NFL Reason Combine that excelled and kicked butt in 2020. So I'm looking forward to giving y'all guys the information. But today we're going to talk about, you know, I would say honorable dimensions. We're going to talk about some players that did not make the top 10. However, they still had themselves a solid year in 2020. You know, we had, um, believe it or not, had some decent rookies, you know, this year that had made, you know, um, I would say honorable dimension. You know, I would say on the outside of the 10 that did really good this year, really, really looking forward to seeing what these guys are going to do down the road. A lot of promise especially on the defense side of the ball. And one thing I will say, one spoiler I will say, is that on the offensive side, I mean, on yeah, for the top ten, we will have a rookie. The first time we will have a rookie that will, that will actually make his name known on the top ten. I've been doing this now for the past, what, um, three years of recognizing the top ten players who came through the NFL Regional Combine that had solid years. So, 
that so he's he's gonna be the first rookie to do so. So I'm really looking forward to um breaking that down and really getting into that when we start to talk about the top ten players. So a rookie did get in there, but we definitely gonna start with the players. I would say that just 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 missed out on the top ten of the NFL Regional Combine's top ten players for the 2020 season. Now, Quentin Dunbar, Quentin Dunbar, cornerback. Came from the Washington Redskins, actually was a wide receiver um, when he was in college at the University of Florida. But he wound up going to the Washington football team where he was converted over to become a defensive back, a cornerback. Great length, good hands, shown a lot of promise. Um, the year before, he signed Atta and traded to the Seattle Seahawks. He was there for the Seattle Seahawks uh, for now going on. Um, he was with the Seattle Seahawks for the last two seasons banged up season, but he did have a decent season before he got injured again. Now, we know that he signed a one-year deal with the Detroit Lions, but last year he did finish with 30 tackles and an interception, an interception that he actually got against the New England Patriots. So out of six starts, he did finish with 30 tackles and an interception. was really looking forward to seeing how him and Jamal Adams was going to gel that season, but we didn't get that chance. Now he's with the Detroit Lions. Let's see what he will do for the 2021 season. Chris Banjo, another cornerback, cornerback for the Arizona Cardinals. Now Chris Banjo, for his entire career, even dating back to the times when he was with the Green Bay Packers, a solid, solid, bona fide special teams ace, really showing what he can do to showcase his talent as a special teamer to really get some playing time on the, on the, on the playing field. After leaving the Packers, he went to the Saints, and then he wound up with the Cardinals. He signed another one-year um, um, deal with the Cardinals. But last year was pretty much his best year as a pro. Career season, when he finished with 48 tackles and three interceptions, he also had four starts this year. He also, in defensive snaps, he played in 436 defensive snaps, again, the most of his career. And on special teams, he played in 175. Um, snaps with special teams. So he definitely had himself a solid year. Looking forward to seeing what he's going to do for the 2021 season. And then hopefully after this season, he'll sign for more money, more than just a one-year deal. Although we'll take that. He's still making out, still making a good living for his family, providing for his family as an NFL player. But we just want to see him get break the bank eventually really soon. So I'm really looking forward to that. Now, another player, now, he did not get a lot of playing time. And I don't really see him getting a lot of playing time in Baltimore. But if something was to happen to Lamar Jackson, the Ravens will be in good hands with this backup quarterback, Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley played sparingly last year, but he did combine with making history for the NFL Regional Combine platform as in week 15 of last year. He and Nick Mullins, for the first time, they had two quarterbacks from the NFL Regional Combine to be able to play in the regular season contest. So that was history that he had contributed to. And also, we know what he did when he got his first time he got on the field, when he played against the Jacksonville Jaguars, when he made his debut in Week 15. We saw what he was able to do when he had to step in and fill in for Lamar Jackson when they played against the Buffalo Bills in the divisional round of the AFC playoffs. Now, you know about my gripe. You know how I actually um, uh, pissed a fit about what happened in that game, knowing that Hollywood Brown, especially on this run route, that he did not run or come out his snap off his break quick enough when it made my man look bad on the pass, where there could have really been a touchdown and no telling what the outcome of that game would have been. But Tyler Huntley, who just like Lamar Jackson, not as fast, but still quick, great with his legs, but he can throw the ball better than Lamar Jackson. I have said that many a time, and I'll stick with my guns on that. He had himself a decent season last year, and so he actually made his name, had his name on his list for players that just missed out on the top ten. I would say if there was a 20, he'd be more closer to 20 or the mid, uh, mid-teens, but he's still on it. He got, he got his name on his list because he did a solid, solid job for the Baltimore Ravens when his number was called. Now, Doug Carson, Doug Carson, he's actually a defensive end, I mean, a defensive tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars, one of those many rookies that had a solid year in 2020. 
he has to compile 32 tackles and nine starts for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he had himself a solid rookie season last year, and then he was accompanied by Bremerton Roy, who was also a defensive tackle rookie for the Carolina Panthers. He himself, he had nine starts, and he finished with 29 tackles, but he also had a sack, his first career sack that he had last year. So these two guys are showing, showing that they can be legitimate pieces for these NFL teams, for their teams, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who's retooling their defensive line. And then you see Brevin Roy, who's really showing his skill set with another Carolina Panthers team that's starting to really take things off and rebuilding their defensive front. So we're looking forward to seeing what these guys can do as they continue to contribute, uh, as they will look to contribute down the road. Now, another player, another rookie that had a standout season was Mike Dana. Now, you heard me talk about Mike Dana during the course of this season, and you'll probably say that, okay, he could have been one of those guys that would have finished in the top ten for NFL regional combine players for the 2020 season. But if he was numbered, I would make him like number 11. He was like right there, linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs, close, close in earning a Super Bowl, Super Bowl ring in this rookie season. But he still had a solid debut. Unlike Bremerton Roy and Douglas Carson, he only had one start. But he finished the season with 25 tackles, and he also finished including um, two and a half sacks. What made Mike Dana so special was that for him to come out, he did not come into the game based off someone being injured. It was one of those situations where Steve Spagnuolo, who's the defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, recognized that they had to get this talented hybrid linebacker on the field. He played on, on special teams, but he just knew he had to find a way to get him on there because from point A, from being either the middle, the Mike linebacker, or weak side linebacker, he had the speed to get into the backfield like no other. He's one of those guys that – his speed. Now, I'm not saying that he's like an Isaiah Simmons, who's a linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals. He came from the Clemson. Now, he's just a, a, a complete freak. But Mike Dana is not too far from him, but his skill set is about the same. Because he can make from point, uh, point A from where he's where he stay on the field to get to the quarterback, and that was one of the things that, that Steve Baxter and Spagnuolo wanted to take advantage of. And so that's why he put him out there a lot with the defense, with the starters in certain situations that earned him this first start towards the end of the season and how he was able to get some decent playing time during the postseason and in the Super Bowl. So Mike Dana definitely had himself a solid, solid year for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, another player, you know, another veteran, I like to say, who I talk about a lot, is um, two-time pro bowler on the window, winning the waiver. Now, he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers for a number of years, you know, I, I thought for sure, and if you're still a fan, you probably would say it to yourself that, yeah, they, they were looking forward to him leaving. You know, it didn't have his best year, you know, the age of 32. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers felt as though they wanted to move on from him. Um, and and uh, when were able wanted to stay with the Steel, the Steel City, be with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he found out the ultimate way to, to get back at those guys is by signing a two-year deal with the Baltimore Ravens that was worth for four, that's when he worked for uh, $14 million. So he has a gripe. He has a bone to pick against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But Alvin Winner-Raven, a solid guy, he played in 100% of all the snaps for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They equaled out to 1,100 plays on the dot. Started every last game. He started every last game for the Pittsburgh Steelers since 2016. Never skipped the beat. Played 100% of the snaps. There's only one game, one year where he did not play in all the snaps and he needed to get a breather, and that was in 2017. But he played in every last snap for the Pittsburgh Steelers last year, and that man right there, even on special teams, 70 snaps, he stepped up and had himself a phenomenal year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So definitely looking forward to seeing what he's going to do with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, you listen to Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Make sure you guys stay tuned, stay tuned, stay locked in because we're going to have our girl, our girl, Yanni Knotts, come in with the dose of a dime show. So stay locked in and listen to the show as she get into reality about love, life, and drama. Make sure you guys stay locked in. Follow me on Twitter 
and Locker underscore report on Instagram, Lock Report 100, all small cats on Facebook, LockReport.com, and also on 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 Locker on Locker on Facebook, Locker Talk Podcast. And make sure you guys follow me on and subscribe to YouTube, and, and make sure that you also listen to this show on the Best News Radio Network. Uh, dot com. Everyone stay blessed. Talk to you soon. DJ and Dan Shucky, welcome to A Dose of the Dime on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Please make sure to know that you can dial in at 646-929-0130 if you need to call in with a comment, question, concern, or just, you know, give your sister some love. I am on live today on the Facebook group, uh, A Dose of the Dime on Facebook, of course. Um, So you guys feel free to tune into the live and post your questions, post your comments. I will post the link on my main page after we're done today. So please make sure you do that. Um, Also, I'm always open and receptive to um, constructive criticisms. Please don't come and bash me. Just come and say, hey, sis, why don't you think about doing this? And I may think about doing this and we might be in a good space. So how about that? All right. So listen, today uh, I wanted to let you guys know business first for sure. There's today on the Bachelor News Radio Network is Feature Album Friday. That's today at 5 o'clock Central Standard Time, 6 o'clock, I'm sorry, 6 o'clock Central Standard Time, 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, okay? And what happens on Feature Album Friday is that they feature 30 minutes of a particular artist. So today is going to be Joe, you know, I want to know. Yeah, I can't say. We're not even going to go there. Uh, if you want to tune in and listen to the 30 minutes of the feature album Friday, please make sure you go to uh, thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Again, the bachelor with a T, B A T C H E L O R news at, um, I'm sorry, thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Okay. So if you have more questions, I will make sure I post that in a link on the Facebook Live below. So listen, it's July. First of all, let's be clear. My birthday is in the summer, so I am always geeked out about the summer. My birthday passes June 28th, snaps to me. Um, But summertime brings about several different types of gatherings. So in Tulsa, for sure, we had um, our Greenwood uh, 100-year centennial. We had Juneteenth. They had Pride. I mean, it's been a plethora of things like every weekend to get into. So it's been kind of cool. So with summertime in most families, though, that's when they do the actual family gathering. So like July 4th, family gets together, they pop fireworks, they, um, you know, sit, drink, talk, eat, all that stuff. Um, Definitely family gatherings is something that a lot of people look forward to because, I mean, for sure, for sure. Um, It is something that is awesome and, you know, for most people. However, all of us know that one family member that everybody groans about when they come around. They groan about it. I would too, for sure, for sure. Um, so listen, it is family versus friends. What I mean by that is our family, they're people that we don't choose. We don't choose them. They're they're in our life because that's the family we were born in, okay? Friends is family that we do choose which is why we always tend to have, sadly, a better time with our friends than with your family. And a lot of times we don't mix our family or our friends together because it's two different dynamics, okay? So biologically, we are born into this family. We are subjugated to whatever personalities come up. That might be your crackhead cousin. That might be your kleptomaniac sister. But we all have these family dynamics that makes us, you know, do understand, I did post a question, of course, on um, our uh, my page. Uh, you guys always flock to my page versus flock it to a dose of dime, which is fine because I'm going to always go on there and um, check it out. But listen, 
So some of the comments that uh, were left when I asked what is the most toxic thing somebody said to you guys, these were some hurtful things, man. I had people talking about um, uh, skin color and different, like, you were going to be just like your dad, and I hope your child doesn't have your pigment, and, I mean, just really hurtful things. Like, it was, it's a lot. Like, and I didn't even, I'm not even going to go into the things that I was, I was told, but definitely we have, you know, entrepreneurs like Mr. Hank Byard, who was told that his artistry would never pick up. I mean, different things. And of course, we always have those family secrets, those family secrets that can actually make a relationship very, very toxic. Okay. So do understand, we do know, let's just be real. Um, in a family, we're all human. We like to say, oh, my God, they're an adult. They should know better. Adults are humans, too, uh, okay, because I'll be honest with you, my mind does not feel the age that I am. I am who I am, but my mind is, is still thinking I'm still young, still misses her daddy, still misses her mommy. That's, that's who I am inside. We are still young in our mind, and so just because we have an age that's older doesn't make us mature. You can ask anybody that's dated an older person. Just because they're older, it does not make them mature. So do understand that when you're dealing with family members, you're dealing with their trauma as well, okay? So no matter what that is, every family, I don't care which family it is, you, I don't, you could put any family in front of me, and I will tell you that there's a generational trauma that runs through that family, whether it be racism, whether it be poverty, whether it be um, uh homophobia, um, whether it just be um, drugs, alcohol, I mean, those types of abuses, there's a generational trauma that runs through most families, that's all families. I could point it out, but we're not even going to talk about it, even if it's just a lack of communication. That's a generational trauma. It's a learned behavior that continues within the, within the community, okay? So with that being said, what is a toxic family member, and how do you tell? First of all, let's define toxicity. Toxicity is anything that adds negativity into your life, or the formal definition of toxin is a poison, all right? So what does that mean? Have you come across somebody and they're negative? Does that mean they're toxic? No. And we use toxic way too much, way too much. Toxicity actually is somebody who continues on purpose to be negative, okay? And they're normally dealing with their own drama and trauma which is why they're toxic and negative. But so how do you know if it's a negative person or if it's a toxic person? Is it one day? Is it a bad day? Or is it like every damn day? I mean, every day, all right? That's, that's one thing. So all families fight. All families fight. Everybody has a disagreement from time to time. But is it one time? Like once every six months? Or is it every time y'all get together? If it's every time you get together then and it's the same person, is it like one person who's always starting the drama? Or is it different people that come in with the drama? See, if it's different people, you might have a whole toxic family. If it's one person that starts the drama every time, that's a toxic person. And then the type of drama, the type of drama that it is, is it, um, oh, my gosh, I a real serious situation, like right there, we do need to settle this right now, or is it some garbage that really is irrelevant? Whew. And if all of those questions is, that, mm, it's the same person with the set, and it's every time, and it's irrelevant drama, and it's it's consistent, and it makes everybody uncomfortable, then that's how you know, okay, listen, this person is probably not for me, is this person is, is toxic. So how do you know <laughs> for sure? If somebody is toxic. Trust your intuition. Do you like them? Not love. Love is different. Understand love. Like, I love all my family, but I'm not dealing with my crackhead cousin. She can't come up in my house. I love her. There's no lack of love there, but she can't come up in my house. Just saying. Do you dread conversations? How do you feel when you're done with a conversation with this person? Do you feel tired, like drained? Do you feel shamed? Do you feel guilty? Okay. 
do you worry about what's going to set them off? Like, are you literally walking around the house in eggshells because you don't know quite what's going to do it, what's going to set them off? Like, if, if it's like for a lot of people who go on these tangents, it's normally something that tries to, that sets them off and then they're raging like, uh, okay. Do you worry about them taking everything personal? Like everything they say, everything you say, you might be talking about, yeah, girl, like this, I just got this new album. Well, I couldn't get the album. That was not personal against you. Calm down, please. Calm down. But do they take everything personal? Is everything a personal attack against them? I mean, that's, that's a real thing, okay? So do they bring up irrelevant stuff? Like, do they bring up past stuff that has nothing to do with what's going on right now? If you are, like, in the middle of a birthday party, do they bring up the fact that a long time ago mama said that she was, that you were the best kid and I was the best kid, and I don't know why she said that. See, y'all always ganging up against me, and I don't understand why it is that there's always something that's going on. No, bruh. Back that up. This is a birthday party for mama. This is not... Do they bring up irrelevant stuff? Irrelevant stuff is the same. Listen, do they gaslight you? Okay, so gaslight is, again, one of those, another term that is totally sometimes misused, kind of like toxic. Um, but gaslighting actually came from this movie where this man was literally trying to make this woman feel like she was. So he would do things intentionally to make her feel off in, or, in an effort to commit a crime against her. So he made her feel like she was off her rocker. So gaslighting basically is trying to change the facts in an effort to make you doubt your position, to make you uh, challenge your memory, and to kind of gain control in the situation. So it's, it's kind of like, do they flip questions on you? Like, you could ask them, hey, did you get a job? Why are you always worried about my money? Worry about your up? That's not what I asked. I was trying to ask, you know, this job you were telling me about that you get it. Do they flip questions on you? Do you feel like every time that you're talking to them that you're stepping into a minefield? And then do you feel guilty about asking the question when, in honesty, your intentions were pure? That's the thing that you need to be, you know, kind of cognizant and conscious of, okay? So these are the types of things that I'm talking about. So do you find yourself trying to stay? on their good side. I guess the thing, do you feel your do you find yourself trying to side with them so that they'll leave you alone? I've seen families do this. I've seen one person come in in a family session and it be perfectly calm and then they come in and they say one comment and then the whole family session is just thrown out of whack. Thrown totally out of whack. Okay. So do you find yourself siding with this person even though you may not even agree? just to stay on their good side and stay out of their range of firing, that's the thing too. So definitely understand that. So what about everything has to be about them? There was this video. It was a viral video. Uh, I want to say, and please forgive me if I'm incorrect, a Hispanic family, and they were celebrating this girl's birthday, and the girl was in front of the cake, and she had her friends to her side, and so they're singing happy birthday, and when she's getting ready to blow, she takes a big breath, and then her little friend next to her with short hair blows the candle, <laughs> and homegirl was ticked off. She was ticked off. Has to make it about them. Has to make it about them. So do you go, again, back to the everything is personal. Everything has to be about them. Those are the things that you want to look for. It's like, okay, yeah, this family member might be a little toxic to our family. We might want to check this out, okay? So what about never being accountable for whatever is going on? It's mom's fault. It's dad's fault. It's your fault as to why something didn't happen as to why they were not successful. Well, I had to stay back and take care of the kids, which is why I could not go to college. Okay, so now that the kids are gone, what, what are you doing now? Oh, pause. Indeed. There's going to always be a reason why they didn't do something or other. There's going to always be a reason why people 
don't get off the pot. And a lot of people use that as a reason to make you feel bad about your success, and that's not okay. If you worked hard to get where you are or even were blessed to be where you are, why is that your fault? And why is that a slight against them? Because you have made a special succession or made, made it to a special place. That, that, to me, kind of flips me off. So, anyway, so we are on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're going to take a quick break, and um, I will be talking more so about the <laughs> what can you do with Dr. Family members. That's going to be fun. Okay, listen. All right, so, again, we're, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Your mother-in-law just dropped in. It's dinner time, and she looks hungry. Time for a quick dinner. Think fast. Think eggs. Like an omelet with tomatoes and cheese. Quick, easy, delicious. So, she loves dinner, compliments your creativity, and finally admits you're not a shameless social climber who stole her baby boy away. All thanks to the incredible edible egg. For other quick dinner, lunch, and snack ideas, visit AEB.org. The incredible edible egg. The American Egg Board. Hey, guys, I am back with the, on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Again, remember, you can call in at 646-929-0130, and you can also hit the chat lines. There's chat lines on that. There's a website, of course, that we're on. Um, you can hit me here, of course, but you can also uh, listen to a rebroadcast on uh, thebachelornews.airtime.pro. So please remember that if you miss my air, my air, my Anytime you miss a broadcast there, you can catch me there. So I want to, again, go back to we do have Feature Album Friday. At, um, it's going to be, again, let me make sure I clarify, it is 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, p.m. Central Standard Time. And, of course, if you deduct if you're listening from somewhere else. So what it is is they do uh, 30 minutes of a particular artist, and this, this uh, Friday we're going to do Joe. Again, it's going to be on the Bachelor News Airtime dot pro. If you have questions, again, I'm going to post the link on my page, and I'm going to post the link in the group. Um, so we were talking about getting back on the subject. Definitely want to make sure that we finish up. How do you know somebody is a toxic family member? Okay. So um, we talked about them never being accountable and also being jealous of your success. That is the thing. Okay. They also initiate fights between other people. They instigate it. That's something you want to look out for. And then, of course, the last thing, of course, is if they're abusive. If they're abusive in any way, verbally, sexually, mentally, physically, you want to cut that out, okay? You want to, you want to recognize that this is a toxic person and you need to do some things about that, okay? So listen, the first thing that you can do when you're dealing with a toxic family member is to, re- is to remember do not pretend that it's okay. Their behavior is not okay. If it's disrupting your family thing, if it's disrupting, you know, your situation, it's not okay. Stop pretending. Stop acknowledging, oh, yeah, no, that's okay. That's part of the problem. You have to set firm boundaries, and you have to stick to them. And what I mean by firm boundaries, okay, so we were talking about this the other day. I had a friend who was telling me about, you know, her child's father, and whenever he comes over, he always brings a friend, and this is a problem because it ends up being a a situation in her house. And so I said, you have to set firm boundaries. When you open up the door and he's there with his friend, you send your child out because I told you not to bring them back to my house. So firm boundaries mean you don't waver on them. You don't waver on the boundary. You say, this is what I said. This is what I want you to do, and it's we will move forward, okay? And, and if they violate it, you have to be quick and be like, listen, God, we can't do this. And if they continue, walk away. Walk away. All right. So for you, you need to decide if it's a toxic family member, because I always go through steps. I, I don't ever – say cut them out without reasons, and we're going to go get into that. First, set your boundaries. Decide what topics y'all could talk about and, and make sure that you stick with those. And those topics that you don't want to talk about, be very clear and say, hey, look, I'm not talking about this. If you want to talk about this, you can talk about it by yourself, but I'm going to go. Again, make that firm. 
the minute that you waver, it's kind of like a kid. The minute that you waver, they have power and they will continue to do it, okay? Refuse to discuss anything that you have decided is not relevant. And then if all else else, change the subject, add something else. And if that doesn't work and they continue to want to talk about who shot John, and this is what I call, that's what I call family drama, who shot John, get up and leave the room. The another thing you can do is limit your time with them, okay? So we talked about what's the difference between family and friends is your friends you choose. That's your family you choose. But your family family, your biological family, you just set certain time limits with them. Like, for instance, uh, most families you only see during a family gathering. And so you can be very clear about which family gathering you go to and if they're invited. I know, it's, it's bad. I, ha- I have a client who actually they, they, they limit the things that they invite a certain individual to. And I, I, I agree with that. Set your personal boundaries. Because if they come in and they mess up your stuff, then how can you function? It's a thing, okay? So if they start going off, you can leave this space. Again, make sure that uh, all of your family is on board because if they pretend that the behavior is okay, the person's going to continue to do it. But if everybody is on the same page, then they can't pretend that it's okay. And what I normally suggest is have a loved family member of that person talk to them and say, hey, yo, what you're doing is not cool, bruh, stop doing that. Or even even a family friend. It doesn't have to be a family member because, of course, that can get sticky, definitely. Limiting your conversation with them to be absolute small talk is a way to get around it too, okay? So hi, bye. Hey, girl, you look good and roll out. This is not necessarily an option for everybody. The next, uh, you can encourage the family member to go see a therapist. If they have access to a therapist, that's a beautiful thing. I believe, this is my own personal belief, that everybody needs a therapist. Everybody needs a non-judgmental person that they can just unload on, that will not take offense, especially um, because we love our family members and we love our friends, but sometimes what what happens when your drama is about that friend, it's not necessarily a backstabbing thing. It's just a, hey, you know, I need to unload about this certain situation. It doesn't mean there's no lack of love, again, with family or friends, but somebody, everybody needs that one person that's non-judgmental that can listen and, and be present in the moment with you. So if they can't afford a therapist, if a one is available to them, suggest that they go. Go with them. There's always that option. And I know it is not – Medicare just passed this act, so uh, there will be more people who, who are eligible to get therapy. So definitely make sure that you take that into consideration. All right, so when to cut people off, because cutting people off is absolutely an option. It's absolutely an option, okay? When a relationship with the person is messing with your outside life, so say you get your cousin a job with your family, with with your firm, and they totally screw up, that's messing with your job. That's a reason to kind of definitely set your boundaries and definitely start looking like, hmm, I can't mess with you. And definitely, definitely. And I know that part is hard. Definitely when it's a very close member of your family, it's a brother or sister, that can be really hard, but sometimes you have to make that space because you cannot uh, – our family are people that we are born with, and you cannot allow those people to mess up the, the, the unit that you created, which brings me to the next point. When the person messes with your family, and I don't mean – so. Say you have your family, your mom, your dad, your sister, brother, and then you have created a new family, your husband, your wife, your children. When the out, that family messes with the dynamic here, they mess with your internal family, the immediate one that, you're, that you are governed by, whatever promise you made to this person to take care of them, that's, that's a reason to cut them off. If it's really destroying the relationship here, then sometimes you have to make space here. And that one is hard. 
So do not for any reason say think that I'm saying, oh, this is lightweight, easy work. It is not lightweight, easy work. It is very hard work. Um, but it is absolutely worth it. Another way that you can know that it's, um, it's time to kind of cut them off and give them a break, and I do say give them a break because sometimes people can get it together and come back into your life and be beneficial to you. I've, I've had instances where that's happened, okay? So when the mention of their name makes your heart <laughs> bow, so if the mention of their name makes your heart bow or gives you anxiety, or gives you that sinking feeling. If you get a text message from them and you don't even want to check it, or that their name flashes up as a phone call and your, your stomach is now in knots because you don't want to answer the phone because you know it's going to be about some kind of drama, that's, that's a huge cue that you need to give this person a break. Give them a break. It, it's messing with your health, which is the next part if they are hurting your health. If you are developing diseases based on stress, like high blood pressure, depression, anxiety, I mean, sleep problems, these things, these are things that that can really affect your life. Messing with a family member, dealing with a family member causes you these types of stressful situations, then, yeah, you absolutely need to um, make some moves, make some changes, move forward with your life. Okay. All right. So one-sided relationships. Um, I don't know if you've watched it. Um, Big Mama's House. I think it's Big Mama's House. I can't remember. It's a movie with uh, Big Mama and oh, Soul Food. That's what it was called. I'm sorry. But she had family dinners, and then there was Terry. Terry was the lawyer, and Terry had the money in the family, and she was very. She was to a certain uh, point toxic herself, but all definitely there are levels of toxicity in different relationships. But let's talk about the fact that she was very adamant that everybody wanted her money. If your relationship is one-sided, if for whatever reason somebody's consistently taking money from you, not returning any investment, if for whatever reason somebody continuously tells you, you know, guilt trips you about the money that they've given you, that's also a problem. We always want to be, you know, fair and just and make sure that, you know, people understand that these are my boundaries. And um, if you borrow from me, you get back. But once you've done and once you've repaid, if they continue to bring that up, that's a sign of toxicity. Okay. And the flip side of that is if every time you see them, they need $5 and then they go down to the gamble and they mess that up and then they come back. That's the time of toxicity. You need to let that go. So uh, one-sided relationships for sure. Okay, so the next one is going to be huge. It's betrayal. Any type of betrayal, um, whether it be adultery, whether it just it, it be in your job, whether it be with money, whether it be selling something up for money. I saw a lot of on my post, on my page, I saw a lot of different people saying that they were just flat-out betrayed. And that's, that's a sign of toxicity that you cannot ignore. If they are willing to betray you and their family, you have to give them space and let them grow. You cannot continue to coddle someone who does not want to be coddled, if that makes sense, okay? So um, is an instigator in your life. That's another one. If they are an instigator, like every time they show up, you end up in an argument with someone else in your family. That's a problem. If they instigate problems for you in your life or with someone else, every time they show up, that's a that's that's a red flag. You need to cut them off, give them space, allow them to grow. And that's what we're gonna say. We're gonna give them space and allow them time to grow. Last one, and of course this should not even be said, but if they are abusive, if they are abusive to you or to your family members, you need to cut them off immediately. Sexually, you know, racially, whatever. Just cut them off. All right. So I want to leave you guys with an affirmation and we're going to go straight with families today. So I want you to speak life, love, health, and wealth over every member of my family, biological or chosen. Again, speak life, love, health, and wealth over every member of my family, biological or chosen. All right, guys, that is my time. 
And I hope you guys enjoyed it, and we will look for the next topic for next week. If you have something that you want to talk about, put it in the comments below. Please feel free to hit me up on uh, Facebook, uh, a Dose of the Dime on Facebook. And we are on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Thank you for tuning in, my guys. I love you. Bye. Out on the Bachelor News Sometimes we fall in love.